Welcome back to Sustainability Speaks. We are your hosts, Stasia and Saskia. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about a subject that I think is close to both of our hearts and that we've been excited to speak about for a while, and that is fast fashion. Yeah, so what is fast fashion? So essentially, it's fast production, fast purchase, and then the garments are also discarded fast. Um, you know, I guess the brands that you would associate with fast fashion are like Pretty Little Thing, Nasty Gal, Boohoo. Boohoo actually owns the entire cohort. And then for a more detailed description, and Investopedia defines fast fashion as a term used by fashion retailers to describe inexpensive designs that move quickly from the catwalk to stores to meet new trends. As a result, the tradition of introducing new fashion lines on a seasonal basis is being challenged. Today, it is not uncommon for fast fashion retailers to introduce new products multiple times in a single week to stay on trend. I think a big issue is that people only see fast fashion as those brands that are cheap. So like you've mentioned, Pretty Little Thing, Misguided, H&M, but actually fast fashion extends to brands that are more expensive, such as Topshop and Urban Outfitters, Zara, basically any brand that copies off the catwalk. Yeah, essentially, whenever you go into the website of those stores and you know how you have that those filters and you have newest or new this week, it's literally, it comes down to those type of brands having 52 micro seasons every year. So that's a new collection every week, which is crazy bearing in mind that, you know, the usual kind of high fashion designers literally plan years in advance to produce seasonal collections and now this is just not the case anymore. Did you know that Gucci have actually started only releasing two um, seasons a year instead of four? And I'm not sure if this is actually to be more sustainable or if it's um, for money reasons. Probably not money reasons. I imagine Gucci has enough money as it is. Yeah, no, that, I, d- I didn't know about that, but that's really cool. But also, in terms of fast fashion, because the demand is so high, obviously because it's cheap, but also if you think about it, when you didn't have fast fashion, Obviously, the new seasonal clothing pieces were very exclusive and available to like a certain social class. But now fashion is very much available to everyone. Um, and fast fashion brands are man- manufacturing replica items, as you said. And those people who would not have had access to certain types of new clothing have. Therefore, there is such a high demand for um, those pieces. It's a difficult one, really, because fashion should be available to everybody, no matter your social stand, like your social setting or how much money you have. But equally, it is killing the earth. And um, actually, fast fashion produces a higher carbon footprint in the aviation and maritime industry put together, which I find very interesting because lots of people talk about how bad it is to fly, to ship, to go on holiday. They, they really try and guilt trip people into um, going abroad less and it's the problem is actually much closer to home than that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because an interesting statistic that I found actually is that in the in the US alone, 11 tons of clothing is thrown away annually, which is ridiculous. And you need to think about the fact that those cheap clothing pieces that you're purchasing, they like the companies who are manufacturing them obviously use much cheaper material. They pay for cheaper labor. And also they don't actually have the time to like check their durability. So inevitably, you know, you will wear it a couple times and then throw it away. And you can't even, you know, donate it or um, try and resell it just because the quality is way too bad. Yeah, that's so true. Can you remember, I can't remember if if it was Misguided or Pretty Little Thing, but it was one of those online retailers um, released the one pound bikini last summer. And that really 
I think that really brought it home to people how bad the industry is because how could you possibly produce a bikini for one pound so quick and I mean it's obviously unethical I mean, how how are they paying their factory workers yeah exactly well the firms like not the firms the corporations such as boohoo and you know its subsidiaries who whoever it owns they actually managed to even reduce their prices further by having their um, warehouses in the UK and Leicester in particular I'm sure a lot of you have heard over the summer there was the scandal about how little um, Boohoo was paying their workers in Leicester and it's literally basically most of the workers are migrants and they are paid two and a half pounds per hour and a lot of them are over 25 as well so obviously the salary is supposed to increase again what I found interesting when I was doing research for this podcast is although yes these companies are producing clothing which is not as good quality at a very very fast pace our society and societal trends and our societal behavior is having a major impact and is very like exacerbating the situation because for example in a 2019 report a consulting group McKinsey they stated that an average person buys 60% more clothing than they did 15 years ago but also keeps it for half the time and then another firm called Bernando's they said that amongst young people in the cohort of 16 to 24 year olds 37% of them said that they wouldn't wear a clothing piece twice if you know they've already been seen in them especially if it was posted on social media yeah i mean i'm not going to lie i think we're we're all guilty for this when i think back to mainly big events such as the law ball that we attended for the past two years i've not reworn my dress from the ball um and i've not reworn my dresses that i've worn to previous balls and it's bad to admit but it's true yeah definitely i mean this was something that i very much suffered from when i was younger like going out outfits and stuff like that but i think now especially because we don't really go out much a, oh because, never <laughs> yeah a because of the pandemic and also even prior to that just because i think we're getting old and boring now if i go out in the same outfit it's like three months later and it's no one remembers what i wore anyway so it doesn't matter oh completely <laughs> i still have clothes from the start of lockdown that no one has seen me wear because where do i wear them to my, my local pub my living room i mean i we have really reduced our clothing purchase habits i haven't bought a piece of clothing in quite a while but also talking about i guess we can only speak for leads because you know this is where we go to uni there is a very specific style of clothing in leeds amongst the students and I think a lot of it has influences from like the 90s and the 2000s. So obviously, even though like the fast fashion companies, they are producing those kind of clothing at a fast rate as well. If you're going to thrift and charity shop, it's much more easier to buy those pieces because for example, if all of a sudden the style from the 50s reemerged, you would be buying replicas because there's not that many 50s clothing pieces just, you know, um, floating, floating around. around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then also with, you know, the, the fashion sense in Leeds, it's whether you, like what I, what I question quite a lot, whether the students actually think about sustainability as well or whether, you know, it was just a positive coincidence. Because even though regardless whether they do have sustainability in mind or not, shopping on Depop and eBay, it is more sustainable, inevitably so. It is more sustainable, yeah, but we also have to recognise the downfalls. One of the major issues with charity shopping is this um, greenwashing. So people think that by charity shopping and donating to charity shops, 
makes you more sustainable and it does it's, it is better than buying online but also quite a lot of these clothes that get sent to charity shops when they don't sell where do they end up and the majority of them end up in developing countries which is ironic because that's where we they originally come from and they get sent back here and then if they're not wanted which i mean i'd imagine quite a lot of them aren't wanted because they're such bad quality you know they're so badly made they just get burnt yeah and also just to kind of bounce off that point in terms of greenwashing i've noticed that a lot of a lot a lot of the time on depop and ebay you obviously do have your um you know donated kind of used pieces but also there is a big trend of people buying clothing from cheaper from cheaper sites which are actually then shipped out to the purchasers brand new so essentially you know it's marketed as a vintage uh, or a used clothing item but then it's actually not that actually happened to me um just before the pandemic in february i bought a leather coat from ebay and it was marketed as vintage leather coat and it was i think i paid 12 pound and this was um, a bit before leather coats were really really like trendy so i was obviously thinking oh yeah obviously it's real it's just a bit cheap because it's not really that common at the minute and then it arrived and it was from shein and it was just plastic and it even had it even had the fold in the arm where it'd been compressed in the bag yeah i remember that happening it, it was, was very disappointing. It was a sad day <laughs> i was very disappointed i do still wear it though because i mean i've, I've bought it now so what would be the point in not wearing it and then so we've kind of outlined the issues with fast fashion and then what i found quite interesting is what the government um the uk government is kind of trying to do or not trying to do so in early 2019 the house of commons there's an environmental audit committee which released a report on the fashion industry and it explained the environmental and societal costs of the fashion industry and it made three quite important and significant recommendations they included for example banning landfill of unsold stock or you know charging more money for garments if they are overproduced but the house of commons um, rejected all like there were three main propositions and it rejected all of them that's really bad but i'm i'm not surprised it's not a priority and equally fast fashion's making the government a lot of money because we're shipping these clothes in it's making the government so much money because we're paying import fees we're paying um we're making jobs in the aviation industry and like the maritime we're really funding this industry but and the, and the big big supply chain that's keeping everyone employed but equally we're not thinking about those at the bottom of the supply chain i mean i know the government is definitely not thinking about those at the bottom of the supply chain because also fast fashion actually has and can have very you know severe health consequences not only for the workers who are obviously jeopardizing their health because of the chemicals that they use for you know the cheap production and because i'm sure they are not given the adequate safety equipment but also because the products and the clothing are manu- are manufactured so cheaply they're also made with much cheaper materials which are a lot more toxic obviously then if they're thrown away and end up in landfill that releases toxins into the environment such as dangerous dye and synthetic fabrics and not only do they also contaminate the water source at the manufacturing site but also when we wash our clothes in our washing machines at home or again if we throw it out you know outside our house in the bin <laughs> obviously um and then again even if when you wear these clothes you can actually get severe you know health consequences because you need to remember that the skin is the biggest organ if you're like me i have very very severe eczema 
and I actually have had this that I wore a cheap synthetic sweater and I broke out in a massive massive rash even though it has been washed multiple times so you're also compromising your health going off from what you said about washing your clothes there's actually something called a guppy friend bag and this is basically you put your clothes in this when you wash them and it catches all the microfibers and the little pieces of plastic and it stops these going into your water source in the ocean it's a good solution but it's not long term yeah that definitely sounds um very very positive but then again it's as you said it's not a long-term solution and equally not a lot of people know about this kind of stuff no, I'd never heard of it. And also, we shouldn't be putting this on the consumers to reduce plastic waste. We should be putting more pressure on the, the top. Yeah, exactly, because they're the ones who are, at the end of the day, mass-producing, and they're the ones who have the power and the influence to uh, make the change. And they're the ones influencing us to buy more clothes and to shop more and to contribute more. And, yeah, it really is their fault. Yeah, I guess it relates back to what we spoke about on our last podcast and, you know, consumers regulating the market. So that being said, what can we as consumers do to help this um, problem? And we've come up with quite a few points on what you can do individually to help um, shape a more sustainable future. Yeah, so the first one would be use like websites such as Depop and eBay. Obviously, we've mentioned earlier in the podcast that you do need to be careful that you're actually buying used pieces and not just pieces which were purchased on cheaper sites and are being sold as vintage. Because you're still funding the industry just indirectly. And shop at charity shops, but I think you've also got to be mindful that this is not an option available to everyone because the more people are shopping at charity shops, the less clothes that are available and equally we're in a very privileged position um i think both of us where we're quite average sizes so we can walk into a shop and just find our size quite easily yeah exactly because for example if let's say you're plus size or even petite then you know a lot of the time you actually need to buy clothes from those specific categories and all the vintage shops or charity shops that i've been to they don't really have like a plus size or a petite section no definitely not and misguided like 100% has a larger collection ASOS always does a smaller a taller very different sizes for people yeah I guess that's the one benefit of those brands that they are very inclusive and also if you think about you know maternity wear you can't really go to a charity shop and find maternity wear (laughs) that's actually very specialized clothing and again a lot of the time maternity wear is expensive but if you're shopping on fast fashion sites then it's a lot cheaper and more affordable yeah and part of being sustainable is actually just being more inclusive of people in general it's including a more diverse range of models grace fits quite good for this in her brand tala she's created a brand where she includes black women white women larger smaller disabled models every different sort of model you can think of and that is helping shape a more sustainable future than that way yeah, she got, uh, I think she got an award this year or last year for her brand in terms of how sustainable it is, which is really cool. Another thing that you can do, which is so easy and you can literally do this within a couple of hours, is actually just to organise your wardrobe and to organise it in a way where you can actually see the clothes you have because on average people only wear 20% of their wardrobe. So 80% of your wardrobe is hiding and I'm guilty for it, keeping clothes that you think, oh, I'll wear that again, then maybe that'll fit me in a few months. I've actually bought clothes before um, from shops that don't really fit me. I think, oh, oh my God, no, it'll be fine. I'll lose some weight. And that's really not the attitude to have. So organise your clothes better and only buy clothes that you absolutely love and that you know you will wear. 
Another thing you can do, and you and I do that quite a lot, don't we, Saskia, is just swap clothes with your friends. Yeah, I mean, obviously this is only feasible if you and your friend are similar size and have yeah. a similar style. And also, uh, it's very interesting, but Patagonia offers free fi- a free clothes fixing service. And instead of, you know, throwing something away, you just fix it or, you know, sew it up or, again, take it to a service which perhaps offers fixing services for free. A key point of Patagonia is to buy clothes that will last longer. So they fix the zips, they fix holes, they encourage you to do so. And that's a big, big um, market campaign. Yeah, and even obviously, for example, Patagonia, they offer the service for free. But even if you need to go to a store and pay for a new zip, I still think that's a lot more sustainable and that's a lot better than, you know, going and purchasing a whole new clothing piece. Definitely. And especially, big shout out to my Timpsons go to Timpsons they'll fix it they're a great great company you're also encouraging you're encouraging this behavior you're keeping them in jobs the staff in Timpsons are so well looked after and I think by encouraging a company who like that who does so good then you're also it's like talking about earlier the customers regulating the market we're encouraging other companies to look after their staff well and Timpsons really do set that standards this next bit is easier said than done but try and find your own style by following influencers such on Instagram who are sustainable. For example, Conscious Chic and English Lass in LA. These are influencers who really promote sustainability and rewearing clothes. So maybe get yourself into a mindset where you follow these sort of people instead of, I don't want to call her out again, but Molly May, those sort of Love Island people, because they're actually paid to promote fast fashion and they're keeping the industry alive. And I guess also with following more sustainable Instagram brands, you can also just get ideas of how you can style your clothes again. And you know, like that goes back to the fact that people don't want to be seen in the same outfit twice, but you can still wear the same items, but just get inspiration as to how you can style them differently. And especially, it's like what we said earlier about reorganizing your wardrobe. If you put your winter clothes away and get your summer wardrobe out every year then every time you open your wardrobe again for winter it's like oh my god all these new clothes how do i style it what how do i fit them it feels like a new set of clothes you can also rent clothes actually which is something i didn't know about there are various kind of corporations and brands who do this but the devout is one of them and what it allows you to do is that you rent five um, items a month and then you send them back at the end of the month and then get your new five later on yeah this is such a good service and i think people are quite snobbish towards it because they're like oh why would i want to rank clothes but realistically i think the way we're, it's the way we're going and i think it's really great i totally agree with that because if you think the amount of times you've thought or actually you did go through with it and you did buy a top for a night out like two days before and got it next day delivery realistically it would be so much better to rent that top and then be able to send it back because you don't actually like it that much but you just needed something new yeah and i think that's especially true for when one-off pieces like we've talked about the law ball i tried to rent a dress for my law ball this year but i actually just couldn't find anywhere in leeds or anything that i liked so i had to buy one but obviously the more popular this comes the more available it'll become and the more dresses and tops and things i'll have so another way that you can help as a customer this is quite a tricky subject and that's by buying products that will have a longer lifespan such as leather now i'm very into veganism and i'm I'm a vegetarian becoming vegan but for me i agree with buying leather that's second hand because if you buy things such as pleather like plastic leather 
it just won't last you as long so it's a bit awkward because it's a throw up between two very different ethical well not very different quite similar ethical reasons yeah but also i feel like if you are purchasing leather from charity shops either you're gonna buy it and you're gonna wear it or someone else will or it's just gonna get thrown away and burnt Oh, I totally, totally agree. As a as a vegan vegetarian, I don't think there's any problem with buying leather that's secondhand at all. The issue, the tricky issue, is buying new leather. I purchased an amazing leather coat from Cancer Research a couple of days ago, and it looks like it's about ten years old, and it's probably going to last me another thirty. Yeah, probably even older than ten. It's quite an old, old coat, but it lasts so long. It's like my sofa in my house at home. It's leather and we bought it probably 15 years ago and it still looks brand new. And had that been plastic leather, it we would have probably had to purchase a new one within five years. So I think this wraps us up for today's podcast. We very much hope that you've enjoyed it and that you know it gave you some food for thought to maybe go out and do some research on your own and potentially reassess the way you shop for your clothes. I would definitely suggest watching The True Cost. This is on Netflix and Amazon Prime and this is just basically summarises what we've spoken about today about the true cost of your clothing, on the environment, on the people who make it. And it's just quite interesting. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. We'll see you next week.